Good morning. Welcome to you. We're glad that you're here today. Uh, It's a great day to be together in God's house and to uh, share fellowship with one another. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here today and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God. And uh, we're beginning something new today, and that is a new year. Actually, we began yesterday, but uh, this is the first time we have gathered as uh, a church family in the new year. And so, Happy New Year to you. Thank you very much. It's a uh, a time for starting over, for new beginnings, a time to uh, uh, to put the the past behind us and to look forward to the to the new year, to uh, to new beginnings and to good times ahead. And so, I hope that, that you are doing that in your life and in our church. A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, our attendance sheets. We'd like to. Uh, uh, remind you of those and ask if you would to take that and to fill it out and give us as much information as you feel comfortable giving us. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, we encourage you to uh, give us your email uh, address and we'll be glad to put you on our, our list for that. Also, we are reviving our supper six or eight uh, uh, program in the new year. And this is a program where just uh, we'll just gather some people together, um, uh, six or eight people together to have supper with one another. Um, this is just a time of fellowship, just an opportunity for you to uh, get to know some other people, people you may not know very well. Maybe some people you will uh, know pretty well, uh, but it's just an opportunity for fellowship and, and getting to know each other. Uh, so we encourage you to be a part of that. And if you would like to uh, be a part of that program uh, well, it's not really a program, a part of that activity, then uh, please call in the church office and give us your name and we'll put you on the list and we'll, we'll gather these groups together. Uh, so let me encourage you to do that. Um, as I mentioned before, the new year is a, um, uh, an opportunity for new opportunities. Uh, it's a time for new opportunities. Uh, we adopted the nominating team report at our business meeting on Wednesday and uh, and so we have uh, some teams that have been uh, changed a little bit. We have new chairpersons of some of our teams. And so let me encourage our chairpersons to get our teams together to, uh, uh, very soon uh, to make plans for the new year, for the upcoming months and the up- upcoming year. And also, uh, one other thing that we need to take care of today, just a matter of business, uh, is we need to adopt our church budget uh, so, Chris, I'll ask our moderator come, to come forward for that. Uh, we did present the budget on Wednesday night for discussion, and so we need to, um, we voted at that time to present the budget uh, to the congregation today without discussion and uh, for your vote. So, Chris? If you look on the back of your bulletin, you'll see a summary of the budget there. Income, which consists of... Um, three items and then several items of expenses and if you want some detail on that uh, that that's available for you Uh, but this is the summary that we have and again it's a no discussion vote so after you've had a chance to look at that I'll call for a vote all right all in favor of adopting uh, the budget as summarized on your bulletin signify saying aye Are there any opposed? All right, that carries. Thank you. Thank you for taking care of that. And uh, 
And so one other item of business, and that is all in favor of uh, greeting each other in the name of the Lord, stand up and shake the hands of the people around you. <laughs> also, let me encourage our children to come forward for our children's moment. Our children will come to the front. We're ready for your children's moment. Good morning, children. here for, I think, all of us. If y'all would, just listen along. i got to preface this. I am no philosophy professor. A philosophy uh, professor stood before his class and stood uh, before them, and he had some items in front of him. When the class began, he picked up an empty jar and proceeded to fill it with rocks. Is it full? Show them. Is it full? Is that full? It's full, isn't it? So, the professor poured pebbles into the jar. Oopsie. And made a mistake. Picked them up, threw them in the jar, and said, Is the jar full? Is it full? It's full, isn't it? Well, then the professor hopefully will pour sand into the jar. <laughs> now do you think it's full? Is that a full jar? It's a full jar, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you what. The rocks are very important things, okay? Big rocks, they represent our God and our family and our parents and everything that is very, very important to us. Well, the pebbles are the other things that matter, okay? And, and I tell you, they're, they're the small things, all right? You don't want to put in the small things into the jar first because then you're not going to have any room whatsoever for the big stuff, the important stuff, right? So, I want you to do me a favor. 
I want you to pay attention to the things that make you very happy. Okay? Play with your friends and parents. I want you all to take care, take time to get medical checkups. Take your partner out dancing. There will always be time to go to work, clean the house, give a dinner party, and fix the disposal. Take care of the rocks first, the things that really matter. Set your priorities, and the rest is just saying. I tell you what, won't you bow your heads with me? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are so blessed to have Jesus Christ as our Savior. God has given us his only Son and gave us the Spirit to make the whole Trinity. With this new year, let us not forget the important rocks of our lives. You and our families are the foundation of our character. Make us all instruments of your peace, just like our children. Amen. I'm going to be reading from uh, the message, Ephesians uh, 1, 3 through 14. <clears throat> How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind. He settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by our, all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He said, it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us. Had designs, uh, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, 
signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This sign from God is the first installment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. That's read from the message. Uh, bow with me, and, and this prayer is simply called a New Year's Prayer, and it's uh, anonymous. Dear Lord, please give me a few friends who understand me and remain my friends, a work to do which has real value, without which the world would be poorer, a mind unafraid to travel, even though the trail be not blazed, an understanding heart, a sense of humor, time for quiet, silent meditation, a feeling of the presence of God, the patience to wait for the coming of these things with the wisdom to recognize them when they come. Amen. thank you today for the continuous blessings that you give us throughout the past year and we know that will continue this year lord help us not to worry about tomorrow but just be grateful one day at a time lord help us to be honest with ourselves and honest about our shortcomings 
and the need that we have for you and your forgiveness, Lord. Help us to rely on you more every day and to trust in your promises. Dear Lord, you provide everything that we have. Help us to acknowledge that and, uh, and to give generously in all that we do of our time and our, our money. And Lord, help us to be grateful every day for that. Help us to follow the example that you give us in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Missionary James King tells a true story about an African woman in one of his churches who attended every worship service accompanied by an old mongrel dog. The dog would come into the church with the lady each Sunday and sit beside her during the service. She always sat on the outside seat by the aisle, and then at the conclusion of the service, the woman would always come to the front and kneel at the altar for prayer, and the dog would faithfully take his place beside her. Well, this, woman, this, this woman's husband was a cruel man who deeply resented her devotion to Christ, and one day he beat her so, so badly, so severely, that she died. 
But after the woman's death, only the man and the dog were left. And the man noticed something unusual. For you see, each Wednesday evening around 7 o'clock p.m., the dog disappeared and didn't come back for about two hours. And every Sunday morning, the dog disappeared likewise for about two hours. And so one Sunday morning, the, the man decided to follow the dog and see where he went. And you got it. The dog went to the church. He went to the church where the woman had worshipped so faithfully. And, and he watched as the dog took its seat by the aisle which he sat where he sat every Sunday while the service went on. And at the close of the service, at the concluding hymn, the dog went to the altar and took its place where the man's wife prayed so faithfully every Sunday. And the man was so touched by this that he too went forward and gave his life to Jesus. Now, King says, the dog comes to church with a new master. Well, my friends, we are beginning a new year this morning, and, and I wonder, wouldn't it be great if we also could begin a new life with a new master? I'm sure that some of you are making resolutions for this new year. So how many of you are making resolutions? Anybody making resolutions this year? Some, some of us are. Uh, someone has suggested that this year we, we might want to make some resolutions that we can actually keep. I, I've been pretty, pretty bad about keeping resolutions in the past, but somebody made a suggestion that we make some resolutions this year that we can actually keep. Resolutions like gain weight, at least 30 pounds, or stop exercising, waste more time, or, or read less. After all, it just makes you think. And, and watch more television, then you won't have to think at all. Or how about this one? Procrastinate more. But you can wait until tomorrow to start that one. I think you'll agree that these are all resolutions that, that we all can keep. But what if instead of a resolution, we were to experience a, a revolution? Suppose we turned our lives completely around with a new set of attitudes a new set of motivations, a new set of feelings about life and about other people. Well, our scripture for today offers us precisely that kind of possibility. The Apostle Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he destined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. I believe that the key word in this passage of Scripture is the word adopted. Imagine that you are a third world child, an orphan, living in poverty and squalor. And a wealthy couple from a, a developed world, from the developed world, a, a loving, wealthy couple with plenty of resources who desperately long for a child comes to your orphanage 
And through the filth and the flies, they, they see a small face. And it's your face. And they say to the person in charge, we want that child. They take you to their home and they dress you in new clothes and they give you new opportunities. But most of all, they give you a new identity. You are no longer an orphan. You are no longer a nobody. You, now you are their child. You are now heir to everything that they own. You have a place in the world. You're no longer a child of poverty, but a child of, of privilege. What a beautiful thing this would be to happen to any child, especially one who lives in want. Well, folks, do you understand that, that this is our story? Yours and, and mine? This is our story. This is what Paul meant when he wrote in Romans 5, 8, that but God demonstrate God's own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in today's lesson, in love, God destined us to be adopted as God's sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. That's what God meant with all of this. And here's the first thing that I, I want us to understand from this. Here it is. Unless you understand what God has done for you, you can never truly be all that God has called you to be. My friends, do you understand what God has done for you in Jesus Christ? Do you really understand that? Do you know what it is to be lost and, and then to be found? Do you know what it is to be blind and then suddenly to be able to see? Do you understand what it means to be a, a child in an orphanage, unwanted, unloved, and then to be adopted by a loving parent? Honestly, most of us probably don't understand this kind of want or need. And it may sound a little ironic, but the greatest barrier to truly embracing a new life in Christ is that we already have it so good. I mean, let's face it. There are people all over the world who would give anything in the world to be in our shoes. And the fact is that it's, it's hard to be a Christian when you're surrounded by so much affluence. I mean, think about it. Why do we need God? We can get all of our daily needs on our own. At least that's how it appears. And it may be that, that growing up in a Christian culture may even work against us to a certain extent. Because some of us have been in church all of our lives and we have had loving families who have supported us and who have nurtured us in healthy values. And so how can we be lost? How can we need saving? Maybe if we struggled more with life, we would understand what good news the gospel really is. But we have it so easy. Pastor Edward Marquardt tells about a young man who approached him after an activity at church one night. The young man came to Marquardt to show him his progress in school. Young man pulled his grades out of his black leather jacket and laid them on the altar for Marquardt to see. 
But this young man was not a child. He was not even a teenager. He was 33 years old, going to a technical school, and he was studying to become a licensed practical nurse. Marquardt looked at his grades, and then the young man, the young man had, had received an A in pharmacology and an A in practicum, and, and he was proud of these, this achievement. And, and then the young man reminded Marquardt of, the, of his story, of what led him to this place. It seems that 20 years ago, he had dropped out of school as, as well as out of life at the age of 13. It had been 20 years since he had been in school. He had used drugs heavily for many years. And, and for more than a decade, he had been held captive and lost by this lifestyle that he was living. But slowly, ever so slowly, he began to to find himself and slowly he was healed and slowly he was liberated and now he was getting A's in school. That young man could certainly understand the metaphor of adoption. For you see, now he had a new life. This was a young man who had been pulled from the darkness into the light. He had been brought from spiritual poverty into spiritual plenty. And in a sense, he had been blind, but now he could see. Some of us, on the other hand, just don't get it. We've been in church all of our lives, and for many people, the Christian life is just another word for respectability, decency fitting in. And we don't quite get it when evangelist Mike Green says something like, Jesus did not come to make bad men good, but to make dead men live. For you see, most of us don't think of ourselves as dead in our sins. And yet if Christ does not live in our hearts, that is exactly what we are. Jesus once called the Pharisees a bunch of whitewashed tombs. He said, you are like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones. Well, I wonder if, if he could have been speaking to any of us who have the form of godliness, but not its spirit. Now, some of you will head to the gym in the weeks ahead to get a new body. Some of you will go back to school to try to improve your mind. Still others may seek out some kind of on-the-job training to, in order to advance professionally. And that's all well and good. But let me tell you something, my friends. What Jesus Christ offers you this year is an opportunity for a whole new life. A whole new life. A new attitude a new sense of identity, a new heart, as it were, putting behind you all of the old garbage that we've been experiencing in our life, all of the negative feelings, all of the negativity that we've been experiencing in our life, putting that behind us and starting all over again. Transformation. That's what the gospel is all about. Starting all over again. But that is unlikely to happen unless we understand what God has done for us.
We have to understand our need before we can understand God's provision. But here's God's provision for us. Christ died for us. Christ died for us so that we might live for Him. Paul calls us a chosen people. The prophets called Israel a chosen people too. Chosen to be a light unto the world. Chosen. We are chosen like adoptive children. We are chosen by God. And that's pretty special. Do you remember the first time you were ever chosen for anything? Think back in your childhood. you remember the first time you were ever chosen for anything? Bruce Larson says that his first memory of being chosen came in the third grade when he was chosen to be a blackboard monitor. He was chosen, uh, get this though, he was chosen not because he was such a model student, but because his, his parents whined and dined the teacher, you know. And, and when he got the privilege of cleaning the back blackboards, he thought that he had arrived. He was the blackboard monitor. He thought he was there until his classmates began to call him teacher's pet. It seems that his new status was a mixed blessing. His next triumph came in the sixth grade when he was chosen to be a member of the safety patrol. He could wear that coveted white belt and badge and, and, and order his fellow students to stop and to start at the street crossings. However, he says he also bore with the other patrol members, the stigma of being a part of the establishment. That gives you an idea of what period of time this was. At recess, they were often teased and avoided. And, and again, being chosen was a mixed blessing. Later, as a member of his high school football team, he dreamed of someday being chosen for the starting lineup. And that day finally arrived when the coach read off the names of the starting team and said, Larson, right tackle. This was a glorious moment, except for the fact that he was well aware that he was chosen because the first and second string right tackles were both out with injuries. And then to add... Insult to injury, their team lost miserably. And then there was the junior prom. Of all of the girls he knew, he wanted most to go with a young lady named Marjorie. And Marjorie said, yes. And this was a triumph. She had chosen him to be her date. Except he learned later that she really wanted to go with his best friend who had already asked someone else. And so she was going with him in order to be near his friend. It seems that each time Larson was chosen, he found it to be a mixed blessing. And being chosen by God can also be a mixed blessing. It is a blessing to be chosen by God. But we are chosen also to be a blessing. The prophets tried to remind Israel that God chose it to be blessed, but also that God chose it to be a blessing 
to others. And that's why God chose us as well. God has blessed us by making us his children. But we are also to be a blessing to others. Pastor Hugh Cox tells a story of a couple named Bob and Mary. Bob was a successful entrepreneur in his 30s and who fancied himself to be a self-made man. And they lived in a, a, a huge house out in the country and they thought that they had their whole life, their whole world put together. But then one day Mary came home and announced to Bob that she had found the answer to that nagging emptiness that she had been feeling in her life. She said that a friend had led her to Jesus Christ and that, that she was sure that this was what had been missing in her life. Well, Bob wasn't very pleased with this, with her newfound faith. And he pointed out to Mary that religion is not for us. Religion is for the blind, for the lame, for, for weak people, not for people like them. They already had everything they needed. But as weeks went by, Bob gave Mary a hard time about her faith. He ridiculed her for her commitment. He was caustic. He was sarcastic. He was cynical. And yet, he couldn't help but notice that Mary's life was becoming more secure, more confident. In fact, she was becoming a more beautiful person. And her growing sense of meaning and purpose only served to highlight his sense of emptiness. Well, finally, the power of Mary's life struck Bob's heart so much that he fell on his knees. He lifted his eyes towards heaven and he prayed, Lord, this is Bob. If you can take me the way I am, then I need what you've given to Mary. Well, Bob didn't realize it at the time. But he had become chosen. Chosen to be blessed by God. His new father. And chosen to be a blessing to others. Bob discovered what it was like to be adopted as as God's own child. But first of all, he needed to become aware that he needed it. And so do we. But there's one more thing to be said this morning. And that is that we've all been adopted by God so that we might grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Just a few days ago, we received a Christmas photo and a letter from some dear friends in Atlanta They have two adopted children, both now teenagers, one about to graduate from high school. And as we looked at the picture, we made the observation that even though they do not share any genes in common, there is a family resemblance there. And I found that to be true of many adoptive families. But most importantly, there is a resemblance in their values and in their character. For you see, anybody can be a biological parent. It doesn't take any brains or character to produce a child biologically. But when people, when people have loved you, when people have raised you and nurtured you in every good way, 
They are your real parents. It's a lifetime commitment to be a parent, one who who chooses to love, one who chooses to be responsible for another human being. And my friends, God has told us that God is our parent whose love is beyond measure. And hopefully we too will someday reflect the nature of God's Son, Jesus Christ, in our lives. Pastor Mark Trotter once told a beautiful story about a boy whose parents were missionaries to India. When the boy was about 12 years old, his parents left him and his younger brother to go to India and take up their tour of duty there. And their intention was that once they got there and got settled in, they would send for the boys. But shortly after they got, they got to India, shortly after they left America, World War II broke out. They couldn't get the boy getting they couldn't get to the boys and they couldn't get the boys to them. And so this separation between the missionaries and their sons went on for about 8 years. Well when the war was over the parents came back to the United States and and their oldest son was now 20 years old and in college and he and he recalled how excited he was when he got word that his parents would be arriving in their hometown by train. They got to the train station early that morning before the sun was even up. And and when the train finally pulled in, the mother and the father were the only ones to get off the train at that stop. And here's what the son says about that experience. He said, I could barely see them in the haze and they could hardly see me. We embraced in the semi-darkness and then my mother took my hand and led me into the light of the waiting room There were tears running down her cheeks as she looked at me. And and she kept looking at my face, staring hard. And then she turned to my dad and, and called him by name. Arnett, she cried. He's gone and looked just like you. He looks just like you. Well, that, my friend, is what God wants from us. That we reflect the nature and character of Jesus Christ. So how about you? Are you there yet? Or are you still on the outside looking in? Do you understand what God has done for you? Do you understand how much God loves you and how much you need God in your life? Are you ready to go beyond simply making a resolution this new year to having a revolution, a new life, a new purpose? A new identity as one who belongs to God. Well, you can. If you'll simply recognize your need for God. Give your life to Him and begin the process of of allowing your relationship with God to transform your life. So that you will be more and more like Jesus.
every day. Amen. We're going to sing number 320, Turn Your Eyes Upon upon Jesus. And as we sing this song, it's an opportunity for you to make a new start in your life. There may be someone here today who needs to turn your eyes upon Jesus, perhaps for the first time. Perhaps Jesus has kind of been a good idea in the background. He's been kind of, kind of a neat thing, kind of in the background, in the, in the back of your mind. And, but you've never really made a commitment to him. You've ne- maybe you've never recognized your need for him. Maybe you've been one of these self-made people that, that, uh, that, that you've got life pretty, pretty well handled here. And you've never really recognized that you really do need Jesus. Because if you're without Jesus, you are dead in your sins. Or maybe life treated you hard. You need Jesus especially. Fact is, we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We're going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. We're going to give you an opportunity to to make that new start. To begin again with all of your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. And take that step towards Christ. And give him your life. If you've never done that. Do it today. If you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church. Or maybe there's some things you need to get straight in your life. And you just need some time of prayer. We invite you to come and do that. We're going to sing number 320. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And we invite you to make this commitment, whatever commitment God is leading to you, as we sing this song. Would you come?
Oh God, you have revealed yourself to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Your word became flesh for us. And through that word, we have become your children. Now, as we leave your house and enter the world, let us go forth as children of the light. And let us shine forth your spirit in the darkness of people's lives. And let the good news of God's kingdom become flesh in us as we live in the love and in the peace and in the joy of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.